Labyrinths is brought to you by Knox Robinson Productions. Please consider becoming a patron. For as little as $5 a month, you can listen to Labyrinths ad-free. Visit patreon.com slash Knox Robinson to learn more. Okay. We are officially and unequivocally in our second trimester. I've got my... My jokes are officially dad jokes mug. <laughs> the cats <Which> are <laughs> getting antsy the last few days. Yeah, they as have As if been, they anticipate some change. They've been very weird towards me. Very yeah. demanding of attention. So second trimester is when all the pregnancy looking stuff happens. Oops, when I, I just, just start looking pregnant. <laughs> so quick run through of symptoms, decreasing fatigue. So apparently I should be feeling more energy, mm-hmm. but my boobs are going to still continue growing. If wow. you can believe that. It's hard to believe. Increasing appetite. I'm going to get more hungry. Also um, hard to believe. <laughs> Cause I'm already so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> hungry hippo. Um, it's true. So I'm supposed to be gaining about a pound a week. Like for the rest of the pregnancy? Yes. Okay, and how many more weeks are left? There are 25 more weeks. So 25 more pounds? <laughs> um, okay, so I should be experiencing pregnancy brain. Hey, you can't be mad at me when I forget stuff anymore. It's pregnancy brain. Can't seem to remember where you left your wallet or when. That's normally you. So I need to use my smartphone to stay more. Now, this just gets at a deeper sort of ethical thing, which is none of us are really in control of the biological facts that make us up. So if you're going to abdicate responsibility because of pregnancy brain, like, doesn't that just destroy the whole justice system? I did not just abdicate responsibility. (laughs) I told you to not get mad at me when I forget something. Feeling lost? Then you're in the right place. I'm Amanda Knox. And I'm Christopher Robinson. And this is Labyrinths. Coming into the second trimester, having seen a heartbeat and a normal nuchal translucency measurement on our first genetic screening ultrasound, we were feeling optimistic. But we still had concerns about the certainty of the tests on our fetus. The two primary options are sequential screening and the cell-free fetal DNA test. The sequential screening involves an ultrasound and two blood draws that look for certain proteins and hormones in the mother's blood, which, if the levels are too high or too low, depending, can indicate an increased chance of birth defects or conditions like Down syndrome. The cell-free fetal DNA test looks for trace amounts of the fetus's DNA in the mother's blood. Like the sequential screening, it's also a completely safe and non-invasive method of screening for abnormalities. We brought our concerns up with Dr. Emily Oster. We're both pretty much on the same page that we really don't want to bring a child into the world that has chromosomal abnormalities. And so we're looking at the pamphlets they give us, and they say things like, the odds of this are... Low. Low. Hello. <laughs> you know? What does that mean? Can you yeah. tell me how much you love the word low? Low. low. <laughs> the rich are low. That's my favorite. Everything is low. Sometimes low. Not ever. <laughs> Not always. 
<laughs> the thing they've recommended for us is sequential screening. They don't want you to do the cell-free fetal DNA stuff? Uh, no, the language they use in their pamphlet is, it's only for patients 35 or older at delivery. At 35, you fall off the cliff, the old lady cliff. It's all yeah. downhill. <laughs> and so we're trying to figure out what the risks really were and how much more information we would have from the cell-free field DNA versus the sequential screening. screening. Can you give us your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you are pretty young, and so the remaining risk will be low. <laughs> but there is, I think, a pretty sizable difference in the missed cases between these two options. The cell-free fetal DNA at this point is close to 100%. And has no real risk at all. And has no risk. Yeah. These other things are more in the space of 92 to 97%. There is no question one of these tests is better than the other tests. And when they say 97%, I just keep thinking, would I go skydiving if three out of 100 times my chute wouldn't open? I mean, obviously not. Would I drive to the store even if three out of 100 trips I would get in a car accident? That's not a good percentage. We had already done the first step of the sequential screening, and we're due for the second at week 16. The morning of our appointment, we, of course, checked the app. And we are on to 16 weeks. Apparently... Four months, huh? Yeah. Gosh, doesn't seem like that. Doesn't seem like four months. Yeah, you're barely showing. Apparently, it's uh, as big as an avocado. That's pretty big. Uh, Talking a Haas avocado or... Well, I'm not sure. So, the baby weighs three to four ounces by now and is capable of making a few expressions now in her face, hmm. squinting and frowning. Wow. Right? When are you supposed to feel movement? Let's see. Most women begin to feel movement between 18 and 22 weeks. Okay, so a couple weeks at the very earliest. Yeah. Yeah. So bones in the fetus's ears are in place, and it means that the baby can maybe hear my voice. Oh my gosh. Really? So if I start singing it a song now, it'll recognize it once it's born. Hmm. Crazy. So what song are you going to start singing? I don't know. I hadn't picked Anything a lullaby. But wagon wheel. <laughs> Mostly, it was hearing us worry about it. The more developed the fetus became, the more we got anxious to know, with as much certainty as possible, that it was genetically healthy. When we got to the OB, as before, Chris had to video call in from the hallway. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Chris is just connecting. Are you there? Yes. Can you hear me now? Yes. Hello. Good. Well, exciting. You guys are 16 weeks along. Yeah, totally. You are doing great. Your blood sugar looks normal. Your weight gain is really healthy. Okay, great. Last time you did what we call sequential one. That was nice and normal. Today you will do sequential two, and that will complete your genetic testing. If that's all normal, then your next test will be the ultrasound. Okay. We had a good rapport with our OB and trusted her advice, but we were still curious about the cell-free fetal DNA test. So cell-free fetal DNA, it is frequently not covered by your insurance if you don't have a medical reason to do it. It could be two to $300 out of your pocket. It could be as much as 1500 Oh, damn. So, okay. Yeah. So we're happy to order it for you, but for you personally, given your clinical history, your age, and your results so far, 
you do not need it. If it's something that you still want, we're happy to order it. Makes sense. Yeah. And do we know what's the estimate after the second draw today of the... We'll have those next week. It's never worse. It's only better. So it'll be one in 3,300 or better. Gotcha. All right. Great. All right. Let's listen to the baby. So you guys are going to wait all the way till delivery to find out the gender? Yeah. That noise is. What is that noise? That's the baby's heartbeat. Chunk, 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 chunk. One fifty-five beats per minute. Sounds really healthy and strong and regular. Just perfect. Yay! Sounds violent. <laughs> hearing that heartbeat again and hearing the optimism from our OB was reassuring. But knowing that there was another non-invasive option out there that was more accurate at detecting genetic problems just kept needling us. After a back and forth with the insurance company, we realized that in order for them to approve the cell-free fetal DNA test, we need a note from the hospital that it was medically necessary. And we knew that they didn't consider it necessary since I was under 35. It felt like I'd need to present some deep emotional instability on my part to get that medical necessity approved for insurance purposes. For better or worse, we're the kind of people who wanted the most knowledge and the most certainty, and it was frustrating to be asked to accept a lesser degree of accuracy. What is happening right now is I am being prevented from having a certain amount of knowledge unless I perform as a dysfunctioning incubator, which is also incredibly dehumanizing. When a woman becomes a pregnant woman, this halo is sort of culturally placed around her, and she is no longer just a woman. She is a pregnant woman. Right. And a pregnant woman is the sacred vessel. Like, <laughs> you know, like in, in religious traditions, and this goes back to like sculptures Pagan. in yeah. caves of the fecund woman, the birthing hips. And the iconography and Christian religious tradition of, of a saintly pregnant belly carrying the Son of God. Even though we live in a largely secular world now, that halo still exists in a way. And there becomes this idea of you that is something beyond you. You're not just Amanda who happens to be pregnant. When you go into that OBGYN clinic, you are the incubator, as you put it. And it sounds clinical and medical and not special when you frame it that way, like it's a meatpacking plant or something. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, you're also the sacred Mother Mary in a way. There's that gloss of like, protect this process, protect this sacred thing. It is humanity continuing. And I get I the sense that they feel you know, more Mother Mary ish if I was allowed to walk in and be like, give me that cell free DNA testing. I'm the goddess. Like, do not even question the goddess. I mean, maybe that's the interesting thing, is that the pageantry that people do on Instagram, in which this pregnant woman as goddess lives on in a kind of performative way. Superficial, performative way, though. And simultaneously, the sort of clinicalized effect of the healthcare industry treats you like an incubator, right? And with the insurance system, totally. And so you are supposed to somehow reconcile those two things and be like, well, I have to be subjected to this bureaucratic system. I can't afford to even have this child unless I can convince my insurance to cover it. 
Right. I have to be subjected to various procedures that boards of old white dudes mostly have decided are the appropriate procedures. Right. And then I'm also supposed to feel like a goddess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do have to say that my personal experience with my OB was not dehumanizing at all. She was fantastic and made me feel very taken care of. Dealing with the insurance company and hospital bureaucracy was when I felt most like an incubator. It was easy to feel that way, especially when I hadn't yet felt the presence of the thing I was incubating. What's up? (laughs) I think I'm feeling it moving for the first time. Holy shit. (laughs) Um, Oh my god. Can you feel it with your hand or just inside? No, I feel it inside. I don't think you would be able to feel it. Now, for the first time, I'm just feeling... I mean, it's not doing it right now, but like a second ago, I felt a push like that against my belly. Weird. (laughs) It's so weird. Like a push. Ooh, I just felt another one. It is so weird. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) It's so weird. Holy shit. So it's not very strong. Whoa. But it's definitely noticeable. (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, um, God, how do I describe what this feels like? Okay, maybe the best way that I can feel it. Do you ever feel like you have a lot of liquid in your belly? Like you drank a bunch of water? Yes. And it's kind of sloshing around? I know that feeling. It's kind of like that. But you're not moving to make it slosh. No. Yeah. Is it exciting? It is because it makes it way more real. You Once don't just again, feel it, fat anymore? <laughs> yeah. No, I've just been feeling just fat and crampy. And then it's, whoa, I just did it again. This is just like a murk. <laughs> like, I'll just do murk or murk. <laughs> and that's definitely not me doing that. But if it wasn't her, then who was doing that? Those small kicks represented a tiny blip of agency. Who was kicking? What a strange question to be asking my wife's burgeoning belly. We could give you lots of reasons to support Labyrinths on Patreon, including ad-free episodes and exclusive patron-only content. But why not hear it direct from a listener? Hi, this is Cannon. I'm a big supporter of the Labyrinths Patreon page because the work that these people do is really thoughtful and it's one of my favorite podcasts and Patreon accounts in the world. Visit patreon.com slash Robinson. your revelation well it's more of a my first ever stand-up bit (laughs) oh okay okay i'm wrapped okay (laughs) so people always say that like pregnancy is this thing that really just makes your body blossom and it's your fullest self it's not like that at all in fact it's more like you've spent your whole life building up to like buying this little house 
and you've cleaned up the house, you get a little garden patch out front, you've fixed all the faucets, the roof isn't leaking, mm -hmm. everything like looks just the way you like it, everything's working. And then for nine months, you have a shitty roommate. And that shitty roommate is bulldozing through your house. For some reason, now the electrical doesn't work and the garden patch has gone to weed and the shitty roommate will not pick up after themselves and there's mold in the fucking walls now and there's nothing I can do about it. Like, I just have to have this, like, shitty roommate and by the time that roommate leaves after nine months without a care in the world, I'm the one who's left with having to get my house back into good order until the next shitty roommate comes along. And, um... And that's my stand-up bit. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I noticed you didn't laugh. <laughs> Is there a punchline? I need to work on the punchline. <laughs> I mean, the shitty roommate ends up being your most precious child. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How does that tie they in? They don't give a shit. <laughs> Even though we were barely four months pregnant, we were already worried about how our actions would impact this new roommate. We asked Emily Oster if our concerns were well-founded. What do you think the most important things that happen now have an influence on when we're three or four years down the road here? I'm sure there are sort of ripple effects of decisions we make at this point that do affect the future. What are those decisions? The good news is that from the standpoint of the baby, almost everything now is pretty reversible. Things which will seem to you when the baby is two weeks old, like the most consequential decisions in the entire world, you will never remember in the long term because everything is very, should, do we swaddle or not? You're not going to remember if you did that when your kid is in kindergarten. Right. The one piece of this that really has long-term consequences is how you guys deal with each other. Hmm. You're about to do this thing where you're going to be very tired and you have a new thing you're trying to do together that you have never done before, mm. and you're not always going to agree. And I think this is certainly the piece that I found the hardest at the beginning and that I think had the longest term impacts was just having not really prepared to deal with this interpersonal conflict that comes with the first year. So what sort of questions can we be asking ourselves and each other that might head off some of the surprise. It's hard to predict the things about which you will disagree because they will depend on your baby. If your baby's a really great sleeper, then you are probably not going to disagree about nap schedules, but maybe you'll disagree about feeding. The thing you can do now is set up some kind of system for how you are going to connect on those disagreements and decide things in a way that is not angry in the moment. Mm. Mm. And I think the mistake a lot of us made is to kind of attempt to have every argument in the moment. Hmm. You know, the baby is screaming and one of you is like, just give it some effing formula. That's not a good time. You're going to have to put out the fire, but there should be a system in place for later revisiting, okay, hmm. what are we actually doing about this problem and how are we going to solve it together rather than just leave your simmering resentment for the next argument. Creating a system to head off relationship problems was just our style. So we sat down to hash it all out. From everything I'm reading, 
this is going to fuck with our relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Numerous studies have found that marital satisfaction dramatically drops after the birth of the first child. In fact, two thirds of couples experience a significant negative shift in their relationship within three years of having a child. That's not heartening. That's not heartening. No. And I think it has to do a lot with there being a huge shift in what's required of the relationship because there was two people and then there's three people all of a sudden. So we need to kind of be straight about what our expectations are. Yeah, because I've never experienced you as a dad. You've never experienced me as a mom. We've grown up with different ways of being, different kinds of households. So there are some maybe assumptions that you're making that I would never make and maybe some assumptions that I'm making that you would never make. Are you suggesting you don't want me gallivanting around the world uh, being a playboy type character while you're <laughs> stuck at home with uh, the brood? <laughs> yeah, if you could avoid uh, Tony Starking it, <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> nah, shucks. <laughs> Um, Maybe we should talk about what sort of activities, baby care activities, do you, what are you looking forward to and what are you not looking forward to? I think my biggest struggle in the first year is trying to be mindful despite being low on sleep. Sleep really, really impacts me. I know that about myself and I worry about that. And... I am a little bit worried that I'm going to get postpartum depression because I've already struggled more emotionally with the pregnancy than I was expecting and feeling like my body doesn't belong to me anymore and I feel like that's not really going to go away when I'm being a source of food (laughs) when I'm cowing. (laughs) So like I am a little worried which is why, like, mental health has been on my mind. Yeah. And trying to find a good balance. Um... So, I think, actually, the thing that I'm most scared of and that I want to avoid is a situation where I feel like if I'm emotionally exhausted, I can't depend on you to take care of the things. Like say the baby's crying. I want us both to be adept at dealing with baby crying. I don't want to be in a situation where the baby's crying and you're like, Amanda, what does it want? Make it stop. (laughs) Well, come on. You don't expect me to be at that place, right? I don't, but I want to vocalize that if we arrived at that place, I would be deeply distressed. Noted. I don't plan to foist the baby on you that way. But what if I think of my primary responsibility as taking care of you? Under that framework, it becomes, okay, what do you need right now? If you need me to do the laundry... Because Mm -hmm. you can't, then I'll do the laundry. Mm -hmm. And I should be able to say, like, say I'm, I have sore nipples that I need to rub lotion on because the baby just chewed on me in a really horrible way. And that got in the way of my laundry plans. I should feel entitled to be like, Chris, can you do the laundry? And you won't be like, well, in our 
podcast episode, you talked about how you would be doing the laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. The thing we're trying to figure out here is how do we not let this negatively impact our dynamic? Yes. Honestly, I'm treating this a little bit like an event horizon that... Yeah, it's hard to see beyond for sure. There's going to be all kinds of new concerns that just I couldn't possibly have anticipated. Right. We're going to have to be able to handle those unanticipated things. So it's like, how do you plan for the fundamentally unplannable? Right. Right. Just in terms of getting the work done, if I become not a full-time employee of Knox Robinson Productions, how the crap are we getting our work done? Well, I don't know. And (laughs) honestly, that's going to be a big stress on us. It's not like we have a stable career path here. And I'm not sure what we're going to do about that. I don't have an answer to it right now without a baby. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be harder with a baby. So per the financial aspect, what were you imagining that we would cut back on if we had to? Well, one is I know that you enjoy a block of Manchego, as do I. Do we need to buy a block of Manchego? It's 10 bucks for that little block of cheese. Can we have a a good life without eating Manchego? We totally can. So that's a small (laughs) little thing that saves us 10 bucks once every few I think we just lost Manchego, big Manchego, as a a sponsor to (laughs) our podcast. (laughs) Of course, if Manchego wants to advertise here, we love Manchego. Yes, and we cannot live without Manchego. Thank goodness we have this lifetime subscriber (laughs) free. (laughs) It is a damn good cheese. (laughs) Maybe the best. Um, How is our sex life slash intimacy life going to be affected? Well, it's already been affected in a big way. Well, yeah, but I think the reason for that is because my body is going through insane stuff right now. But... I'm going to get my body back and I'm going to get my sex drive back, hopefully. (laughs) So as long as you're fine with the fact that I'm going to jerk off if you're not feeling sexy and you don't resent me for that and I don't resent you for not feeling sexy, I think we're fine. I am 100% on board for you masturbating whenever and wherever (laughs) wherever (laughs) wherever you feel like it final question how will our social lives change once the baby is here this was actually something that had been worrying me a lot were we ever going to see our friends again was this the end of independent amanda and independent chris emily oster had a few thoughts on the subject Actually, being a good parent also means taking care of the parent, not just the the baby. Hmm. If you think back to like the 1950s, people were just like, yeah, my kids are outside. I'm having a martini. The idea that you would spend all of your time investing in your kid was not super central. I think we've been moving over time in this direction of we're going to do everything for our kid and I'm going to like really be invested in my kid's success. And, and your life is over. As- <laughs> and your life is like basically like you can do other things but they're only in the service of your kid. Personal leisure is not a thing. And I hope that's switching a little bit because I don't think that's a super healthy Mm -hmm. level of pressure to put on your kid. And it's certainly not great for you. That sounded like great advice, but it was so hard to follow. 
How are we supposed to prioritize our own mental health when we weren't even sure if our fetus had the right number of fingers and toes? But our anatomy ultrasound was coming up. We crossed our fingers and toes that our child could start out life without any debilitating conditions. Thank you. I'm figuring out my pregnancy look game. How are you 20 weeks already? <laughs> I don't know. It's That's insane. So fast. <laughs> Do you feel like it's going fast? I definitely feel like suddenly I'm big. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, big. Just yeah. Yeah. Halfway. Halfway. Yeah. Halfway through the pregnancy, with normal results on the sequential screening, we were still feeling a little uncertain about not doing the cell-free fetal DNA test. But the 20-week anatomy scan ultrasound would provide further evidence that our fetus was developing normally. The nurse performing the ultrasound had a long list of body parts to locate and measure, which was not always easy because the fetus kept moving around. She snapped photos of the brain, the heart, the kidneys, taking careful measurements of what looked to us still like inscrutable black and white blobs. The ultrasound techs are always friendly, but for professional reasons, they don't tell you that everything's looking good as they measure. They bring the results to the doctor, giving you a lovely five or 10 minutes of waiting alone in that room, worrying if your child is okay. We tried to think of it like worrying practice. After all, Judging by how my own parents talk, that feeling, is my child all right, was something we'd have to get used to feeling for at least the next few decades. And then... Everything looks good. Your waiting is really normal for where you need to be at this okay. time. Baby's not too big, you're not too big. Okay. Let's go over the ultrasound. Still surprise gender? Yes, still surprise gender. Thank Wonderful. you. Okay, all the measurements are pretty average. All of the baby's organs are perfect. There's no markers or signs for genetic problems or um, congenital anomalies. Everything looks really healthy. That was a huge relief. Exactly what every prospective parent wants to hear. But after the doctor left the room, Chris's face went white. Um, I just saw something on the screen that I shouldn't have seen. What do you mean? I mean, I looked up there. Oh. And I know. I mean, I don't, I think I know, but I don't. Okay. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you don't know? Well, what do you think you know? What well, did I, you see? Well, I think I know the sex. Yeah, no, I get that. What did you see? Well, I don't want to look again. <laughs> <laughs> don't look up there. Oh, like it says on the yeah. screen. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't want you to know and me not to know. Or uh, should I look to confirm if I saw what I thought I saw? Look to confirm if you saw what you saw, thought you saw. Okay. It's not what you it's, thought? No. Okay. It's, it's not what you thought. It's your sex. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I saw the word female up there and I was like, huh? Oh, it, yeah. It's like, oh, you're female. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> okay. But for a minute there, when I thought I knew, I was like, cool. <laughs> you were you were down. Yeah. You were like, okay, girl. Yeah. Oh, I love you. It's Your first it. reaction wasn't like, oh no. <laughs> no, it wasn't at all. Yeah. I mean, you're a girl. <laughs> After that ultrasound, the weeks seemed to fly by. Twenty-one weeks. Twenty-two weeks. We're at 23 weeks. Okay. Which means that I'm officially six months pregnant. You're six months pregnant. Yeah. So, it's as big as a grapefruit. A grapefruit? Yeah. God, that's big. It's around 11 inches long, over a pound. It's going to double its weight over the next four weeks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's growing exponentially. It's growing exponentially. Okay. Yeah. Let's see... They recommend relaxing and de-stressing. <laughs> cool. It's, yeah. Do they recommend being independently wealthy? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> the big thing to look forward to for next week is next week is week 24, and that's when you're considered to have like a viable preemie baby. Oh. So it's like it can survive and maybe not have problems if it were to be born. If some horrible if eventuality happened. Yeah, if yeah. they were like, oh my God, we got to get this baby out of you now, stat. In a week's time, they could do that and it likely would survive with little to minor right. complications. Right. For a lot of people that I've been talking to about infertility, they're like, when I made it to 24 weeks, big sigh of relief. Yeah. As we approached the third trimester, a whole new set of questions started percolating in our minds. A whole new set of worries. Your biggest question is going to be, what kind of birth experience are you going to not commit yourself to at all costs? Because we know that birth is unpredictable. But how do you want to scaffold this for yourself? Are you going to be in a hospital? Are you going to be in a birthing center? Are you going to be at your house? Who's going to be doing it? In the third trimester, as it gets harder to like stay active, it can be a little isolating. Eventually you're like, okay, I'm just going to end everything. I'm going to stop going to work and I'm going to stop doing stuff. I'm just going to start getting ready for this thing. But then it's weeks and you're just sitting around twiddling your thumbs. I found that part hard. Lucky for you, listener, in podcast land, time runs at an accelerated rate. You don't have to twiddle your thumbs for long. We'll see you in the next episode, where we hopefully, finally, get this little kickboxer out of me without too much trouble. Careful. You don't want to jinx it. What, you want me to knock on wood? Nah, it doesn't work. You know what does? What? If you knock five stars out on Apple reviews. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But seriously, every review helps us. And in the meantime, get lost with us. Find us on Twitter. At Amanda Knox. At Man Under Bridge. This episode was written by us, edited and sound designed by Chandler Mays, with theme music by Josh Budo Karp. I just felt something. (laughs) It was like a tiny little bump. Uh Uh-huh. Now I don't feel anything. Yeah, nothing's happening right now. Ooh. Oh, yeah. You right?
so weird. Yeah. <laughs> you felt it. You felt it. <laughs> oh, man. There's a little thing in there. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I have to believe you now. <laughs> once you feel it once, you're just like, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. It's real. It's real. <laughs> oh, my God. That thing's going to come out of you. <laughs> then we're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> In the Labyrinth's podcast system, the listener is serenaded by two separate but equally important hosts, Amanda Knox, who brings authenticity and empathy, and Christopher Robinson, who brings intellectual curiosity. These are their stories. What do you think, Knox? Looks like a podcast junkie shot up with one too many ads. Should have become a patron from the looks of it. Who wouldn't prefer ad-free episodes and signed books and live video hangouts over overdosing on ads in an alleyway? Don't patronize me, Knox. Leave that to the listener. Visit patreon.com slash Knox Robinson 